Hello, Minnesota. Great state. Thank you. And I'm thrilled to be back in the heartland. President Donald Trump returned to Minnesota for the second time during this midterm election, this time in another district he won by double digits two years ago. Hello, I'm Tom Hauser. Thousands of people turned out Thursday to see President Donald Trump speak at the Mayo Civic Center in Rochester. For more than an hour, the president rallied Republicans to show up to the polls on November 6th. I need your vote. I need your support to stop radical Democrats and to elect proud Minnesota Republicans, and we have some great ones right now up for election. About an hour before the event, he tweeted his support for several of Minnesota's Republican candidates, Senate candidate Karen Housley, incumbent 2nd District Representative Jason Lewis, and 1st District nominee Jim Hagedorn would all get their turn at the podium during the rally. Before introducing Housley, President Trump took some shots at Housley's opponent, Democratic Senator Tina Smith. But he also took jabs at the man Smith replaced in the Senate, Al Franken, who stepped down in January after multiple women accused him of sexual misconduct. So Karen is running against a far-left Democrat, Tina Smith, who nobody knows who the hell she is. Who is she? She was appointed. She took a wacky guy's place. That guy was... He was wacky. What did he fold up like a wet rag, huh? The president noticeably went off script to make those comments, a fact best highlighted by Housley once she got to the podium. You really do go off script, don't you? Jeez. Thank you so Now, when it came to policy, the president did tout his new trade agreement with Canada and Mexico. He also mentioned the possibility of a new unilateral trade deal with China and how it would benefit Minnesota farmers impacted by the back-and-forth tariffs between the two world powers. This is tremendous for Minnesota. This is tremendous for Minnesota. And you've waited for a long time. President Trump left the state shortly after the event and will hold more rallies in other Midwestern states in the coming days. You can find President Trump's full remarks from the rally in Rochester at our website, KSTP.com. Before the rally, President Trump attended a Republican fundraiser at the new Intercontinental Hotel at the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport. Some attendees paid as much as $25,000 to attend and were able to take part in a small gathering with the president and even ask him some questions. A couple hundred others paid a lesser amount to attend a larger private event at the hotel. The money raised will be used to support Republicans running for Congress. While supporters applauded President Trump inside the Rochester venue, protesters made their voices heard outside on a variety of issues where they disagree with him. We're asking Donald Trump to uh, live up to his promises of more and better jobs in America instead of having our jobs being outsourced. We want to be here to show support for our community and show that we don't agree with this administration or what he's trying to do to people that live here. Those protests were all mostly peaceful. It was an eventful week for DFL Attorney General Candidate Keith Ellison. An ex-girlfriend, Karen Monahan, continues to accuse the current 5th District Congressman of abusing her back in 2016. This week, a lawyer hired by the DFL to investigate Ellison concluded that Monahan's claims are unsubstantiated, citing her refusal to share video of the alleged abuse. Ellison vehemently denies the accusations against him. 
This is what he had to say about the investigation during an interview this week on WCCO Radio. I answered every question that was put to me, and uh, everybody concerned sat down and submitted themselves for an interview, and she came up with the answer that she came up with uh, after a thorough review. So, look, the DFL wasn't trying to look out for me. It was looking out for itself. I didn't do these things that my ex-girlfriend accused me of, so I just want to make sure that we get to the bottom of it, and I hope to clear my name as soon as possible. Both the Minneapolis City Attorney and Minneapolis Police Department say they will not take up the investigation. Both cite a conflict of interest because Ellison's son is a Minneapolis City Council member. The Dakota County Attorney also said he would not take up the case unless a complaint against Ellison is filed with law enforcement. Karen Monahan came forward with her allegations against Keith Ellison just before the August primary, but it was not until this week when we finally heard from Monahan's attorney. Our Eric Shalou asked Andrew Parker about why his client will not show the alleged video she says proves her claims. Parker says Monahan won't be bullied into sharing the video, but she plans to release new information. She's got uh, more uh, text information. Uh, she uh, may decide to share uh, the video down the road. I think she won't because it is contrary to her uh, both of her objectives in terms of her personal healing and in terms of giving voice to other women, women who may not have a video and she doesn't want to say to them well if you don't have a video you better get one because if you don't show it you're not going to be believed. When Eric asked Parker if he himself has seen this video Parker said he has not. Minnesota's third district race is by far the most expensive congressional race in the state so far. It includes cities like Maple Grove, Wyzetta, Eden Prairie, and Minnetonka in western Hennepin County. That race pits Republican incumbent Eric Paulson against Democratic challenger Dean Phillips. On Friday, the two squared off in a debate hosted by Minnesota Public Radio. They sparred over a number of issues, including the impact of the new tax law, which Paulson helped write. Well, we've gone from 2% growth to 4% growth. Um, and Honestly, the results are much more uh, stronger than any of us really expected they would be only 10 months. The great promise of this bill uh, was that middle-income Americans would accrue benefits from it. And the truth is that about 80-some percent, if not more, of the benefits accrue to the top 1% of this country and corporations. That is a disservice uh, to tens of millions of people in this country. And as results from our exclusive KSTP Survey USA poll show, this race is likely to remain heated through the final month of the election. I thought I was good at hiding. Huh. And there Paulson comes along. Minnesota's third district race is producing some of the most creative. Hypocrite Dean Phillips calls health care a moral right, but got caught not offering health care to his own employees. And hard-hitting ads in this election cycle. Nearly $5 million in outside spending alone. The result of that and other factors so far? Democratic challenger Dean Phillips has a five-point lead over Republican incumbent Eric Paulson, 49 to 44 percent. Eight percent of 607 likely voters remain undecided. I think Eric Paulson has to be worried because he's not running as well with the voters as he did two years ago when he won by a comfortable 14 points. It's an entirely different competition this time, and he's got some serious disadvantages to contend with. Among those disadvantages, a big gender gap among voters. Phillips leads 54 to 38 among females. 
Paulson has a smaller lead of 50 to 43 among males. On number three in the entire Congress for getting bipartisan co-authors of bills. That's really important for women and, and a lot of Minnesotans who just want to see their elected officials get things done. I've seen an extraordinary commitment of females uh, on this campaign and around the country. Energy, participation, many of whom are telling me that until this election year had never been engaged politically before. I'm Dean Phillips, and Eric Paulson is saying I don't offer health care to our workers. And there's a reason health care dominates TV ads. Third district voters say health care is the number one issue, followed by jobs in the economy and taxes. There are too many people uh, who are struggling with the cost of their health insurance, too many people who are one illness away from bankruptcy. I think voters are just getting to know Dean Phillips, uh, and the more they learn about him being a hypocrite, especially on health care, uh, the more they're not going to like. We do offer health care to full-time employees. No thanks to Eric Paulson, though. Expect that war of words over health care to continue in a very tight race. And here are the latest outside spending numbers among Minnesota's congressional races. As we mentioned, the 3rd District is still leading the pack with more than $5.8 million spent now. Minnesota's 8th District sits at about $3.7 million. The 1st District race has brought in more than $3.5 million in outside spending, and the 2nd District race totaling more than $3.2 million. Minnesotans can now apply for a real ID or driver's license. A real ID will be required to board domestic flights and certain federal facilities starting October 1st, 2020. Real ID costs the same as a standard driver's license, but if you want one before your license expires, there is an extra charge. Now up next, Ember Scott Young and Andy Brem will be here for political analysis. We'll be back in two minutes. The Minnesota Department of Commerce says minsure rates will be going down in 2019. Joe Mason explains the impact this will have on employees and workers who buy insurance through the state's marketplace. He cooks up comfort food in a comfortable neighborhood joint. It's a real mom and pop feel. Alex Cordemage works behind the grill at the Uptowner Cafe on Grand in St. Paul. He's diabetic and buys health insurance through Minsure. Um, I wasn't super thrilled about the recent price hikes over the past couple years, but as I hear now, they're going back down. On average, rates are going down. Yes, you heard right. After several years of double-digit premium increases, the state announced next year individual health insurance rates are actually dropping. They credit a strong economy and other things like... The individual market pool tends to be somewhat healthier than anticipated. Pent-up demand for health care may have been met. Access to preventative care may have made people healthier. So just how much are rates dropping? Well, depending on the plan, anywhere from 7 to 27 percent. And what does that mean in dollars? A 40-year-old in the Twin Cities would pay $300 per month, which is $27 per month less than last year. A family of four in the Twin Cities would pay $1,464 per month, which is $134 less than last year. Sure, this cook likes to hear health care prices are dropping. It takes a huge weight off my shoulders. For Alex, though, Minsure is actually priceless. I probably would not be alive today. My medication is far too expensive to afford without insurance. Minsure has been a, a godsend. Joe Mason, 5 Eyewitness News. And this is the second year of stable or dropping health care premiums in Minnesota. State officials say Next year, lawmakers will need to put up more money or come up with another plan to keep the rates steady or declining. Open enrollment for Minsure, by the way, begins November 1st. 
And joining me now for political analysis, Ember Reichgott Young and Andy Brem, thank you both for being here. One thing that was alluded to at the end of that story is these rates are being held down, Andy, somewhat artificially. There is the reinsurance program that was passed by lawmakers a couple of years ago, which is subsidizing these rates. We don't really know what they would be without that money. It's hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, we know they'd probably be higher, and I still think that these rates are still high. I mean, this is a lot of money we're talking about every month uh, for people to pay. So I think, again, what we've seen is we've done this experiment of government being involved in health care, and it doesn't work so well. So, again, I think what we need to do is, get, is back away from that, get into a more competitive private-based model. I mean, people need to have access to affordable insurance. Minsure isn't doing that. But, Ember, the, the private health insurance market wasn't working very well either right. before the Affordable Care Act. So. Minsure has provided great help to many people, particularly with the subsidies that the federal government has provided. But this issue is going to continue unless and we're going to have higher health care premiums unless the legislature continues to invest more money in insurance companies to help them keep it down. Uh, that reinsurance program that passed two years ago, we don't know if they're going to do that, but I agree. We need to make other changes to Minsure to make sure that it keeps going and works for regular Minnesotans. Yeah, this will clearly be a big issue in the legislature when they get underway in January. Uh, let's shift our focus to the third district congressional race. You saw the poll numbers. You saw a little taste of the debate that the candidates had on on Friday. You've seen how much money is being spent in that race, Andy. Uh, Eric Paulson, the incumbent, down by five points. Uh, this is unfamiliar territory for him. Well, it is. I mean, listen, it's a tough environment right now. Donald Trump is not popular in the 3rd District. He wasn't when Eric won it two years ago. You know, Eric has a lot of strengths. He's not a great politician. He's not very good at talking about himself. And I think when voters start looking at his record, a guy who the unemployment rate in the 3rd District is the lowest in the nation, a guy who's gotten bipartisan bills done, who's handled himself with decency, I think people are going to say, wait a minute, we need to send this guy back to Washington. He's been a, he's been a good, good member of Congress. And, Ember, I think it's pretty clear that Dean Phillips is the strongest candidate Eric Paulson has faced yet. And Dean Phillips is making an issue of the fact that Eric Paulson hasn't communicated with his constituents. He hasn't held town hall meetings. And that has been a big issue for his constituents. Also, that poll shows a huge gender gap. That is coming from, obviously, the Trump situation. And it's interesting to me that the approval rating for... Uh, Eric Paulson is negative. It's a negative three. In other words, more people disapprove of him by three or four points than approve of him. Uh, that compares to a disapproval margin of 18 percent with um, uh, President Trump. So he's got some baggage there as well. And it was telling that when President Trump was in town this week, Eric Paulson was nowhere to be seen. And when the president sent out a tweet about all the Republicans he's supporting here, he did not mention Eric no. Paulson. I suppose Eric Paulson doesn't want his help right now because Hillary Clinton won the third district two years yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the end of the day, Eric is running on his own record. I mean, Eric is not a show horse. Eric is really about getting things done. Dean Phillips is a great politician. He runs a lot of fancy ads. I give him a lot of credit there. He's got no record to run on. So so at the end of the day, I think when people r remind themselves of all the important things that Eric's done and the way he's handled himself in Washington, they'll want to send him back. But again, if, there's, if, if, if you're asking me who's the better politician, Dean Phillips is for sure. Well, and Eric Paulson, of course, has voted with President Trump 98% of the time. That's what the voters are seeing here, and that's what they're voting on. And it is interesting that he built that record up knowing that this was probably going to end up being an issue in the, in the campaign, but the way Eric Paulson explains it is, you know, he's voting on issues that a lot of Republicans are in favor of. He's not voting for the president's tweets, for yeah. instance. No, certainly not. And if you look at the way Eric has conducted himself over the past 10 years, it looks nothing like Donald Trump. So I think trying to make that 
connection. The voters in the third district are, are pretty smart. It's a tough one to make. Just, just 30 seconds left. Down in the first district, we got Jim Hagedorn against Dan Fian. The president was down there, uh, obviously making a big splash. Is that likely to help Jim Hagedorn? It may, but you certainly have the counterbalance of Tim Walz in that district. They're going to be coming out strongly to vote for Tim Walz, I believe, for governor, and I think that will help the Democrat Dan Fian. But Walz barely hung on to his congressional seat in 2016. Yeah, I think that's going to be a Republican pickup. It's uh, a good thing. All right. Andy and Ember, thanks for being here. It's going to be a fascinating last month of the campaign, and we'll be talking much more about it. Up next, Brian McClung and Sarah Walker will be here for Face Off. We'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back. Time now for Face Off. Joining me today, we have Sarah Walker and Brian McClung. Thank you both for being here. What a crazy week it has been with the uh, Judge Kavanaugh nomination. And, and I think what we've seen here is that Supreme Court nominations will never be the same again. Now, I, I think it's, it's inaccurate to say that they haven't been political before, but they're as political, I think, as you can get now, Sarah. And what, what is going to happen uh, the next time, whether it's a Democrat as president or a Republican, the next time they nominate someone to the court? What did this? I'd say first, I think that this actually started with Merrick Garland. I agree with you that this, they have been political for a long time, but I think this happened with the Republicans not allowing Merrick Garland to get a vote. But I do think something has changed significantly to this point, which is that one of the things that Supreme Court justice nominees were never supposed to do is talk about politics in their hearings. And we saw that. We saw Justice, former Justice John Paul Stevenson come out against someone who might get nominated to the court. I have very deep concerns about the legitimacy of the court going forward and all of the things that Kavanaugh may have to recuse himself for. Uh, in, in somewhat of defense of Kavanaugh, that second hearing was fairly unprecedented, uh, well, the, the type of hearing where he had to listen to his accuser and then he had to come out and defend something she couldn't substantiate. And I would take the politicization of this back further to 1987 and Judge Bork, and at that time then Senator Kennedy really taking a stand and politicizing that event. And then the other part of this that is really important is that the Supreme Court has become a bigger part of politics than it ever was before. And I think the American public in some ways sees the Supreme Court as more important than the Congress, more important than the presidency. It's been kind of a stopping point for a lot of important decisions. And so when Donald Trump was running, that's, he used the Supreme Court to appeal to evangelical voters to say, hey, you know, I, you might have some issues with me, but I'm going to appoint people to the court that you're going to like. And so I think future candidates are going to see that, see the politicization, and see the ability to rally voters around the types of picks you might make to the bench, and that only co continues to exacerbate that issue. And then, Sarah, to your point, I, I think Judge Kavanaugh even realized that he got too political in that hearing. I think he listened to what people were saying. He wrote that op-ed piece on Friday in the Wall Street Journal. And so that's going to be a, a cautionary tale for anybody who gets nominated to the court from this point forward. Absolutely, but I think we still have a, yet to see how this is going to play out. But I do think Republicans have been focusing on the court for the last three decades. They're finally at this point. And my concern is, is that it's really narrowing the intensity gap between the Democratic voters. And I don't know if you could get more intensity for Democratic voters than you already are at. But there was a poll out this week by NPR that said that the Kavanaugh 
situation had elevated the enthusiasm among Republicans. Yeah, yeah. And, and the poll that Sarah's mentioning and that you're mentioning, in July there was a 10-point gap in enthusiasm between Democrat voters and Republican voters. Now that's a two-point gap. So Republicans are more energized. And especially you look in those red states where the U.S. Senate is in play, those states are breaking now strongly for Republicans. So there has been some Republican enthusiasm that's occurred, and I think President Trump you know, feeds into that. He feeds into that with his rallies and his public statements, and he's going to try to keep that as an issue on the front burner from now until Election Day. And he was feeding a rally this week in Minnesota, trying to get people excited about the Republican candidates. It's telling that his two visits here have been to the 8th District and the 1st District, both of which he won by, I think, 15 points. Mm -hmm. But he has not come to the metro area where Jason Lewis and Eric Paulson are hanging on for dear life. Yep, I think he's sort of written them off. But to me, one of the interesting things is that although candidate Johnson um, was able to speak at the rally, he was not called out by Trump. He was not on stage with Trump. And notably, the Republican Governor Association has officially canceled all of their ads. So to me, Trump doesn't want to be on stage with a bunch of losers. Which, yeah, but which as is you, unusual given the fact that Johnson is in a single-digit race. But as you look at these rallies, the idea that these rallies are about the places where he's visiting, these rallies get statewide coverage, they get national coverage. So they have the effect of energizing Trump voters across Minnesota who probably don't always vote in midterm elections. So I think he sees this as a way to generate support and enthusiasm and excitement. It's not, it's not just in Rochester or Duluth where people are paying attention. They're paying attention across the entire state. And so he's looking to turn out, you think about places like Morrison County, yeah. where Trump got more than 70%, trying to turn out those voters again in this midterm race. 30 days to go. We'll see what happens. Sarah and Brian, thanks for being here. We'll be right back. The puck has dropped on the Minnesota Wilds' new season. Fans going to games at the X beginning last night will have plenty of new food options to enjoy. On the sweet level, four chefs are taking over the menu with items from their local restaurants. But the most new items will be at the concession stands, including New York-style and flatbread pizzas. The meatballs are also back this year with an added garlic cheese bread. And the City Burger is also back. Well, we'd like to see what you have to say about at issue. Send us your feedback and let us know what issues you'd like to see on the show. Just write to us at issue at KSTP.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for my name, Tom Hauser, or at issue. You can also find me on Twitter at KSTP. And starting now, you can also listen to episodes of At Issue every week on iTunes and Podcast One. We have links posted on our website. Just head to the At Issue page at KSTP.com. And that is all the time we have for now. We hope to see you back here again next week for another edition of At Issue.